one of y'all sit in the same spot every time, so I can keep up with you. When I hear the sound of the voice, I just know who it is because I know the zone it's coming from, right? All right. Well, let's get let's do a little bit of study. So, um, the van to get a copy did not. Do we have extras? Is there extra copies? All right. Make sure everybody got a copy. Got extra copies. All right. So, so deacons. Active, inactive, doesn't matter if you've been a deacon, want to be a deacon, or you're deacons. Meet me in the fellowship hall right after the business meeting. We're going to have a little time of prayer. Just meet me right after, before choir practice. So just as soon as we finish our, our uh, business meeting, meet me in the fellowship hall before choir practice for just a short time of prayer. I would appreciate that. So, all right, let's look at some things. You know, I told you this morning we're going to talk about the resurrection the resurrection is so important, and I appreciate each of you coming back to, to hear a little bit more about it, to study about it. You know, in Easter, when we think about Easter, we think about the resurrection. I mean, that's Easter Sunday. That's when we have the biggest church attendance, right? That's when we have multiple services. It's all about the resurrection. We look at the things that happen up to Easter. We celebrate Easter. It's a major emphasis on the resurrection, and then a major focus on Easter Sunday is the empty tomb, Amen. It's all about the empty tomb. That's what we talk about. That's something, you know, we, we know what happened on Friday. We know the sacrifice. We know how important the sacrifice was. And that was the whole reason that, that Jesus came for that purpose was to die. We know, but, but the resurrection is so important. I'm just throwing this out there. Was it, was, it, was it really necessary that God raised Jesus from the tomb? I mean, our, and here's, here's, here's Carrie just being thrown it out there. Don't answer that question because I know the answer is already, all right? But you think about it. He's already paid the sacrifice. He's already paid the sin debt. He'd already justified us in front of God, made us in the right standing with God because of the sacrifice. So where, where does the resurrection fit in? Where does that fit in? How important that is? Is the, is the resurrection more important than the sacrifice? Is the sacrifice more important than the walk? Is the things that Jesus did while he was here more important? The fact that he was, was God in the human form coming to, to earth and walk for 33 years and touch lives and to change lives like we talked about this morning. You know, when you say, what, what was it more important? Well, let's look at the resurrection and how important it was. Man, we have Holy Week right before Easter. You know, every week there's something leading up to the events that took place right before the crucifixion and how important that all was. And then we get into Easter Sunday and we talk about the resurrection. We use words like, he is risen. Or he is risen what? Indeed. That's something we use every, every Easter, right? Everybody puts that out, man. He is risen. Because one, we serve what kind of Savior? A risen Savior. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. We've studied what God's Word says about how we are connected to Jesus through His death, burial, and resurrection. If you remember a couple Sundays back, I preached that Sunday morning message on how we are connected to Jesus Christ through His death through his burial, and through his resurrection. All three of them are very important. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior, all right? We don't serve a dead Savior. We don't serve a Savior who is still in the tomb, all right? Jesus paid the sin debt on the sacrifice, and I ask you, did he have to stay in the tomb, or why did he come out of the tomb? When you think about it, you know, Jesus paid the sin debt. He died on the cross, 
He was separated from the Father. He took sin upon his shoulders. He took my sin, your sins. He paid us in debt. He was put into the tomb. You would think, could God just could have took him on to heaven. You know, when I die, he's going to take me on to heaven. But he could have just took him on to heaven, right? And just left him in the tombs. Because the, the purpose he was here was already paid. But we think about that and we look at it. God didn't just leave him there. Because his ministry wasn't complete with just dying on the cross. It continued on. And so it's about the risen Savior. We serve a Savior who's not in the tomb. He's, still, he's out of the tomb. God raised Jesus from the dead. He raised him from the tomb. And his resurrection is the foundation of Christian belief. It's what we stand on. It's what we believe. It's what we base our whole belief in, in, the, in the Father on. It's the foundation. It's the resurrection. Because God brought him back out of the tomb, back out of the grave. He didn't have to move the stone. The stone was moved so that we could see in, not so that he could get out. Now, let's look a little bit further. The work that Jesus Christ did while he was here on this earth did not end with his life and his death. It didn't end there. We talked about that. We, we, we got into Acts several weeks ago talking about the, the, the early church, the beginnings of the church. You know, the purpose that Christ came was to die on the cross. And that's what, that's what he said is finished. When he said it is finished, he, he's, ta- he's referring to the sacrifice, but not the mission of God. Because the mission of God was then passed on through the power of the Holy Spirit to the church to continue the work that he had them sent here to do. Now, the Bible says that Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended into the heavens as a victorious conquering king. We know that happened uh, 40 days after he actually came out of the tomb. We know that he ascended in a physical body. We know that people saw him. We know that they watched him ascend into the heavens. And, and he had a physical body that he was in. All right? The work in, uh, that he was sent here to do was finished, but the mission of God was not finished. Now, we look over in Acts 1.8, and I haven't got to your scripture yet, so just hang in there. I'm going to get to that in just a second. In Acts 1.8, we read where Jesus gave the power of the church to the church, all right, to continue his ministry that he had started through the power of the Holy Spirit's presence and through Holy Spirit coming into the lives of the church. Now, the church would continue God's mission through this power. All right, so let's look at the details, and that's on your handout. Let's look at the details of the resurrection. And what I did is just gave you all the scripture. And look at how much scripture, and this isn't all of it. And I didn't even break down uh, the first ones because it's been so much scripture. The entire New Testament points toward the resurrection, every bit of it. So, so we look at it, and then the first thing, all four Gospels accounts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. None of them left it out. They all give an account of the resurrection. They didn't leave the resurrection out. They told about the, the sacrifice. They told about all the, the events leading up. But the, every one of them talks about the resurrection. All right. Now, we know in the book of Acts, we know that, that it is uh, Luke's gospel. And we know it's a continuation of, of what Luke talks about with the early church. We know that the church begins their ministry. And we know that the disciples become the first early church members. And we, and we talk and we see in Acts, the apostles continually speak about the resurrection of Christ. When you listen to the, the, the scripture, when you read the scripture in Acts, you see what the apostles are talking about, who they're talking about, who they're talking about putting their faith and trust in. Every bit of it points to a risen Savior. That's what we see there. Now, the rest of the New Testament depends entirely on the assumption that Jesus is alive. 
Not that he's dead. Not that he's still in the tomb. Not that he rose from the tomb. But the fact that he is alive. All right? There's a big difference there in what we're talking about. The rest of the New Testament depends entirely on the assumption that he is alive. He's living. He's reigning Savior who is at the head of the newly formed church. He is our, he's the head of the church. He ascended to heaven and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's interceding on whose behalf? On my behalf and on your behalf. And that's what he's doing. But he's alive. He's a risen Savior. He's not a dead Savior. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is alive, all right? Simply put, if you read through the New Testament, you can find significant proof. And that's why I gave you. I gave you proof on all these issues. You can find significant proof supporting the validity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all pointing to a risen Savior. Not just a Savior, but a risen Savior, all right? Now, when Jesus rose from the dead, he began a new kind of human life in a perfect body. This is one to get a lot of questions on about what kind of body he had. What kind of body am I going to have? You know, am I going to look like that? Is that? What does that body look like? You just move a little bit further. Let's look at this. His body no longer was subject to weakness, aging, death, or decay. It's a physical body, though. It was something you could see. It wasn't a ghost. It was a physical body that people could see, touch, I mean, we're going to look at some scripture now, all right? When Jesus rose from the dead, he had a body that would live eternally. The body that he rose from the dead with was one that he could live in eternally. It was prepared for eternity. It would not decay. It would not break down. It was not going to be anything other than what it was from that point on. And that's the same kind of body that we're going to get. The Bible says that Jesus had put on a new body, and it was imperishable. Now, look at that, that scripture, that first scripture in 1 Corinthians. Look at what, what Paul says about that. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on the immortality, the new body. It was a new body that Jesus had put on, and it was a physical body. When the disciples saw him, they took hold of his feet. That's what the scripture says. They saw him. They knew who he was. Or once they talked with him, they knew who he was. But they saw him physically. Matthew 28, 29. Look at that scripture. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And they worshipped him. They took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. Let's move on down a little bit further. It says that uh, the disciples ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Acts 10, 41 says this. Not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses. We ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. After he rose from the dead, we ate and we drank with him. Now, he's got a physical body. He's able to consume food. Now, we know he's God. He could do anything he wants, but he had a physical body, all right? In his new body, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and he broke it. Luke 24, 30 says this. It was as, as he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. He ate with them. He didn't leave anything out. He's covering all the bases so you know who he is and that you know what he's capable of doing, all right? He also invited Thomas to do what? To touch him, to touch his hands, to touch his feet, you know, doubting Thomas. We won't look at that, John 20, 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. I mean, you've got to have proof. I know you've got to have proof, but believe. You see it. Feel it, touch it, all of it's pointing toward a risen Savior, all right? The Bible's clear. Jesus physically rose from the dead with a body made of flesh and bones. Wow, there, there's, see, this, we're getting a little deep. Like, are you sure? 
it was still flesh and bones, but that's, this is scripture. Luke 24, 39 says this. Jesus talking again. Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see what I have. That that makes sense? Yes or no? All right. So those are details. These are details of the resurrection. These are some details that we don't actually get into, you know, during Easter because we're we're preaching that resurrection issue. But look at all the scripture in the New Testament that's pointing to the resurrection, to a risen Savior. All right. We're only halfway through with that. All right. Let's look at those results of the resurrection. This is what's important. Of course, it's all important, isn't it? But the results, what takes place, the reason there's a resurrection of Jesus Christ, the reason there's a resurrection is so important. That's what I want to talk about now. We will have a resurrection as well. You believe that? We'll be resurrected when Christ comes back, when he returns. We'll all be like him. We'll, we'll meet him in the, in the heavens. We'll have the same kind of resurrection. We'll get a glorified body. All right, so but let's look at the, the results of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection helps us to live the lives that we were made to live. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're able to live the lives that we were supposed to live, that God made us to live, that he, that he wants us to live. We're able to do that because of Jesus Christ. Because, because of the resurrection, we can have a relationship with Christ. Because we can have fellowship with him. All right? It gives us the power to gain more and more victory over sin and in his lives. And we've talked about this scripture coming up. Okay, Because of the resurrection. We can consider ourselves dead to sin. And it's been several weeks ago. But we referred specifically. To Romans 6.11. And it says. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin. And alive in, in God. In Jesus Christ. Alright. Romans 6.10. Alright. Because of our sinful nature that we obtained from Adam, there's no way that we will ever obtain sinless perfection in this life. And the sooner you understand that, the better off you are. Because we can't obtain perfection. We're dealing with a broken world. We're dealing, living in a broken world. You know, we're living in it. We're not of it. But we are here. And so we'll never be able to obtain sinless perfection in this life. But Paul still tells us, that sin has no dominion over us. Remember that? We talked about that several weeks ago. Sin does not control us. It has no power over us. Even Satan does not have power over a believer. He has power over a non-believer, but when you become a believer, Satan no longer has power over you. Now, he can influence you. He can make you do some make, have some decisions and do some things that you shouldn't do, but he does not have power over you. And the reason is this, because... You have the power of what inside of you? Holy Spirit. Does Satan have the power of the Holy Spirit in him? No. Who has more power? The Holy Spirit, who is part of the Trinity, the, God, uh, the Godhead, okay? Or Satan, who would you say has more power? So if you have Holy Spirit inside of you, Satan doesn't. Does Satan have power over you? Did I get that clear? All right, I want to make sure because I want you that whenever you're tempted, whenever you're faced with issues, whenever there's a sinful issue there, I want you to know that God always provides a way to, to, to out of that situation. All right, so, so certainly you want to be, be capable and understand that the Holy Spirit gives you the power. Sin does not have dominion over you. It does not rule over us. Romans six fourteen, For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law but under the grace of God of our Father. Okay? All right. 
There's a power in the resurrection, and it is a superpower. Right? So there's power in the resurrection. The resurrection power also includes power from the Holy Spirit, which enables us to do the work that Jesus has commissioned us to do. You can't do it on our own, and we can't do anything on our own. It's all through the grace of God. It's all through the power of the Holy Spirit that he lets us take every single step forward, that we're able to minister, that we're able to witness, that we're able to touch lives. It's all because of the power the Holy Spirit gives us when we become children of God. All right? All right. Acts 1.8. You know this one by heart. You know, say it with me. All right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's try that one more time, because I think there were, what, three people with me on that one? Let's try it again. Y'all want to? Because this is important stuff. All right? Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's sweet sound, ain't it? That was a lot sweeter sound that time. I know that the good Lord is smiling down on Pine Hill today because these are his children talking about his business right now. Jesus' resurrection ensures our right standing before God. Let me tell you something. When I, I dictated that word, ensures, it wanted to change it to E in, sure. I'm thinking, they're not drinking insure. <laughs> I looked at that. It said it was wrong. I said, I, re- I you know, changed it to E-N-S-U-R-A-S. I said, no, that's not right. I said, we're drinking insure. We want to insure, all right? It's right standing before God. Paul says that Jesus was raised for our justification. We know that. That, that was the reason he was raised from the dead, for our justification. Romans 4.25, he was delivered for our uh, for our trespasses, and he was raised for our justification. So we'd be in the right standing before God the Father, all right? When God raised Jesus from the dead, he was affirming that Jesus' work on our behalf was complete. He was, he was given his, his stamp of approval on it, saying that the work he came is complete. The fact that the sin debt has been paid is complete. So he's affirming that uh, approval of it. He was demonstrating his approval that Jesus' work for the suffering and the dying of our sins was, was complete, all right? He was affirming that Jesus' work on our behalf was complete. The, sin, the penalty for the sin debt had been paid, all right? And there was no need for him to remain dead any longer. I mean, he didn't have to remain in the tomb because everything had been completed. That's why he brought him out of the tomb, all right? He did not need to remain in the tomb. Hebrews 1.3 says this, tells us, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So let's look at Hebrews 1.3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, which is the sacrifice on the cross, and, and <clears throat> arose from the grave, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, which means he ascended to heaven, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father as we speak. Jesus sat down at God's right hand because his work had been complete. When Jesus returns... Now, when he returns, we'll be changed from the, the body that we're in to the glorified body that we'll gain. We'll be like him. And that's what the scripture says. Paul says that our mortal body will be exchanged for an immortal one. Immortal one. 1 Corinthians 5, correction, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not fall asleep, but we will all be changed. All right? 1 Corinthians 15, 53 for this corruptible body 
must be clothed with incorruptibility and the mortal body will be clothed with immortality. All right? So here we're talking about the, the resurrection of our body. At the final resurrection, which is our resurrection, we will receive a new body just like the one Jesus is living in now. And God will give us a glorified body suited for the new life that we're going to live in heaven, which is eternal life in heaven. All right? It'll be unlike our present body. We will use the new body to serve and glorify God for all eternity. Now, if we really believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of this body, then we'll use the bodies that we have today to glorify God in heaven. And that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're doing. I mean, every, you see, every bit of this points to the same thing. All these scriptures point to Jesus Christ, and they all point to a risen Savior. Amen? All right. Two questions for you, and they were very simple questions on the end. Why is it important that Jesus rose from the dead? Anybody? To make life worth living. That's a good one. Make it worth living. It's complete. Make it worth living. Exactly. All right. There you go. All right. I didn't know you were in the booth, Steve. I appreciate it. I got that sound, though, buddy. I picked up that voice. All right. Anybody else? Well, he said in the, I mean, he said in the Bible, the grave will not hold me there. Ooh. Yeah. That's your goosebumps on it. Exactly. His resurrection different than Lazarus' resurrection. I mean, it's completely different. When Jesus brought Lazarus out of the grave and when God brought Jesus out of the grave are not even compatible. That's not the same thing. All right? Anybody else? All right? What would your life be like if he had not risen from the dead? Be no hope. That's, that's the thumbs it up. Be no hope. People who are not believers in Jesus Christ don't have hope for what's going to take place after this life. This life is short, man. We have hope, and, you know, hope gives us all the support. It doesn't take away the struggle, but it does give us comfort. Amen? All righty. That's all I have for us to see. Any other questions before we move into our business meeting?